Joe's Cafe. Oh, yeah. good morning. Yeah, we've just been talking about David's Junior High Dances. Yes. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. oh, my Up in God. Dewey. Yeah, Dewey, Dewey of all places. How if... many people listening to this? No. Podcast would, uh, oh, yeah, would you know where Humboldt count them on is. one hand. Yeah, and yeah. how many have been to a dance there? That's that's uh, for yeah. sure yeah. zero. Yeah, uh, a well, junior high dance in an old school. An old school in the middle of well, I, I'm not going to call it Hicksville because yeah. I mean I don't yeah. want to disparage the people, but it's a yeah, it's a maybe a two horse town, <laughs> and there's one school for three of those towns, yeah. and uh, that was an interesting night, but. In Dewey, we were just talking about, they had one of the better farms in Arizona. Oh, yeah. And the corn there that you could get was, uh, it was like a, an epiphany to yeah. your mouth. I know Midwest people are scoffing right now. But for right. us in Arizona, this, oh, yeah. it's, it's this was our Midwest. Midwest. You know, yeah. yeah, but they, yeah. they don't get the magic of, in, in Phoenix it's hot, you know this. But you'd go up there and it was cool for the first time. Right. It was it was at elevation, about at 4,500 feet in the fall. Uh, the leaves are falling, and so... We're still cooking eggs on the sidewalk down in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, and to go up there mm-hmm. and see your breath. Mm-hmm. Oh. What little kid did not want to go there in October, oh. pick out their pumpkins mm-hmm. and get that corn, hang out for rides? And it's gone and, now. It's gone. Yeah, gone. Mm-hmm. You don't have that anymore. Prescott's yeah. still there. Yeah. You got Prescott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Walmart. you're saying it correctly. It's not uh, Prescott. No. Prescott. I, it's Prescott. Yeah. Yeah. If you say that in Siri, she will spell it for you. K-E-T-T. K-E-T-T. Prescott. Oh, yeah. We are in second week of the Awakenings. And there must be 30-plus of these Awakenings. So we're going we're gonna to be here a while. Is there an awakening we're not going to do them all today. Junior high dances in here? <laughs> there probably is. I'm sure John has covered a lot of territory. There will be in the next one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we are in the second Awakening. And, um, John, we'd love for you to read this. Yeah, it's 1964. As a boy, I remember thinking there was nothing as stupid or irrelevant as anything having to do with God. The Lynches were atheists. Dad progressively pushed us to get away from celebrating Christmas. His ultimate act was to have us open gifts the evening before. Way to stick it to the man, Dad. He brought home an aluminum tree in 1957, and we put it up every year through the late 70s, after over a third of the limbs no longer had tinsel. Most of our few ornaments eventually slid to the center. Other kids had sprawling flock trees with color wheels and popcorn and cranberries and shiny ornaments, all animated by the warmth of nearly endless strands of lights. The lynches had stick shoved into a pole covered with shredded aluminum foil. I tried to not have friends over during December. (laughs) Dad made sure we received mostly educational gifts or underwear so we wouldn't get too enthralled with the holiday. Nothing says Christmas like unwrapping a bag of thin dress socks. As a kid, every picture or statue I saw of Jesus depressed or spooked me. His eyes followed me like he was trying to get my attention so he could tell me off. Hey, hey, you kid. Yeah, you. Look over here at me. Wipe that grin off your face. I'm carrying the weight of the world and you could care less. I didn't come to earth for you. I was never supposed to get Jesus. I was sure God was, as Karl Marx had said, the opiate of the masses. Everything about me cried out against everything to do with God. Except for this thought. 
that I could not turn off. Awakening. No matter how diligently parents try to chain, train a child in the absurdity of faith in God, they can't stop his voice. What if I'm here, after all? What if I think about you every moment of the day? What if I hold that magic that your heart keeps wanting to be true? That thought followed me at night. It followed me on walks home. It stayed with me through the years when I mocked his name. I lived my entire childhood claiming to not believe in a God I secretly wanted. Hmm. Wow. Do you remember when you first started thinking that thought? You you say that it followed you at night. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, all the way back to the start of the book when I talk about... That, that that night when I thought someone was chasing me yeah, home, yeah, you yeah. Know, and and I, that was the first night I called out. I actually hmm. called out and said, "Help!" Like, who's going to help me? I'm whispering yeah. it in the middle of the dark. The first time that I can remember thinking, "I'm not alone in this universe," and I'm when push come to shove, I, I know someone's there. I may not want him there. I'm it, most of the time, but I think I know someone's there. And, and this is in a world where my dad is indoctrinating me, even at a young age. He's, my dad was an Irish, passionate Irish man who loved to get in fights with, with people who were Christians. He, mm-hmm. he, and so he, he really, really, it was a conversation that our family had all the time about how God was not real and Christianity was a farce and... Um, so the the thought, where did that come from? It didn't it didn't come from any basis of the information that I was getting. Nobody around me was telling me those truths, but there was something um, that God was doing, even long before I would trust Him. That was starting, that that was actually overpowering whatever my parents were trying to do. And you must have had others trying to do the very same thing they were doing, like professors at university or uh, other people that were in your circle of friendships who probably were agnostic or atheists or yeah. whatever. All the way through. Yeah. I, I can't. Isn't it interesting? With all the evangelism that we do, with all the, with all the people who are sharing yeah. their faith, nobody ever shared their faith with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I've never had anyone, a- as a believer or non-believer, share their faith with me. I've never had anyone on an airplane or any place, wow. A- wow. And a- any place, uh, share their faith with me. And and so, th- you know, I, I eventually would ask some people what's going on with you and be in conversations, but that cold call stuff never yeah, happened to me. Yeah. So. yeah, they probably saw you coming. You know, you go, okay, yeah, stay away. This guy. Yeah. Uh, now, that's an interesting piece of hope for, for parents. Absolutely. And we want to come back to that. And there's a second piece of hope, and that is part of your story as well. Maybe we'll get to it in, in, in several weeks. But a part of your story is, uh, and you remind me of it this morning, is that no one shared their faith with you until uh, there was some intentionality about... Um, some some people in your life who would be the least uh, likely people that you would expect when you're a, a theater teacher. That's right. That's right. Tell, tell a little bit about that. Yeah. Because that's hopeful as well in uh, this absolutely. very awakening. Well, it, it it was a stunning 
when I think back on it, it was my students, when I was teaching theater at Arcadia High School here in Phoenix, who dared to share with this tough, grizzled, hippie drug guy who was their theater teacher, long hair, sarcastic guy. Can you imagine being in that class? Oh, gosh. But but they they would talk to me about Jesus. They were they were it was incredible that they were the ones who got through. Yeah. Of all yeah. the things that could have been used, they were the the people that God used. And and here they were, seventeen. You know, they, but I think they were both. They didn't care. That's right. What they idealistic, had to, absolutely, they, yeah, absolutely, and passionate probably about very much, Jesus. very much. Yeah. So I, I would say if there were. Uh, any people that got through to me, it, w- it was them. Wow. Yeah. And and you think in part because they were, what, they were winsome to you or what? Yeah, what, what I, I knew, like like an adult, you just get into a battle. Two adults just, you start arguing semantics. You argue worldviews. Kids, they, they didn't have an agenda. They just loved me and yeah. wanted to tell me about Jesus. They yeah. didn't. And I also felt like I didn't want to hurt their feelings. They yeah. were just kids. They yeah. were my kids that I loved. They were my students. Um, I, maybe I at first felt like, well, isn't that nice? Yeah. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll appease them. But, but they, they loved me and kept talking yeah. to me in such a way that I could hear for some reason. When you, when you said they didn't, they didn't have an agenda, they just loved you, that's, that's very uh, informative. That's instructive for adults. That's right. Uh, as, That's right. As they live Jesus yeah. with people. Isn't that interesting? Because it worked. Yeah. It, it, God was able to use that to get through. Yeah. When you would mm. think, no, that would never work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just looked up uh, this verse in Romans 2 that you reminded me of in this awakening um, that, that talks about an aspect of the gospel of God's grace huh. that is very much like what those students were living out. Um, and and he he says there, um, do you not remember, do you not recall the patience and the tolerance and the kindness of God? Not knowing that God's kindness, again through these students, is meant to lead you to repentance. Mm -hmm. That's that's Mm -hmm. so much the heart of God. Kindness, patience, tolerance, waiting, and yet... Who, who said it? Uh, was it C.S. Lewis who said that God is the hound of heaven? Was it was that him or so. someone someone like that? That he is intentional in this kindness. But and his but his intentionality has a lot of patience in it. Yes. His game plan yeah. has to uh, do a lot of three and outs for a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you, to where you just go, we're gonna. I've got this. I've got yeah. this. But it it. it it felt that way very much. And yeah. I think that second part that you're saying, too, is for parents to realize on the other side of that story that God is doing that. Yes. So even when you see your child so absolutely opposed or so absolutely cold or distant, that this is also happening. That's right. Yeah. God is, is seeking, and he's doing it through sometimes the least likely of people. So his, he's not anxious about that. And we as parents are often 
very anxious, very controlling about that. Very, uh, we do have an agenda. That's right. And so sometimes we lose in that process of pushing our agenda on our Absolutely. children. We lose that kindness, that patience, that tolerance, that, that love toward them. And they feel right. it. They, they don't feel that relationship is more valuable than the agenda we have for them. That's right. If we can just maintain the sweetness of the authenticity of a relationship with Christ Absolutely. and give him time to work and not manipulate it for appearances yes. for our sake yes. in church or wherever, even even our toughest kids, know, he knows how to find them. That's so true. Well, this is great hope, uh, this awakening, John. Thanks for writing this and Thanks. Thanks, and guys. putting this forward to us as parents today that we might have hope mm. in the greatness and the providence and the kindness, the love of our dear Jesus. Yeah, thanks for that verse. That, oh. that really helpful. We'll see you next week at Bo's Cafe. Well, you we'll guys. be in Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> Recording from Dewey. <laughs>